What will the Red Sox bullpen look like going into the 2023 season? You are locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And thank you so much for making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Inazuski, and here with a very special guest. He's the founder of Beyond the Monster and co-host of The Obstructed View, Chris Henrique. So how are we doing, Chris? What's going on? I'm good. So by the way, uh, in the last episode that Lauren and I recorded, uh, we were talking about, like I mentioned how you guys just had on Heimblum uh, with the Obstructive View podcast. And she was doing a game time ad read and uh, she was talking about the, all the Obstructive Views in Fenway Park. And I literally said after the ad, I'm like, now I just connected the dots of like why your guys' podcast is called Obstructive View. I had no clue. Yeah, we um, <laughs> when we were trying to figure out a name, obviously the hardest thing in the world is to figure out what you want to name your podcast. True. And then um, it was actually Steve, um, one of the co-hosts, and he mentioned how there's a bunch of obstructive views at Fenway, and I'm like, oh, it's perfect. So whenever we go to a game, even if we're not sitting in an obstructive viewed area, we always like to take a picture with the pole in the way, and uh, so we can continue that. And hopefully, we're going to do that a lot this year. So you find this funny because, like, obviously, like we're, we're going to opening day together with, with Stephen Brown as well, and you know, while I was looking at tickets, I didn't tell you this, but it goes into like with the pole and everything you know they have the grandstand tickets like over you know with, with like the navy blue seats and then you know we're sitting in like right field but like it was i was either thinking the right field area or the grandstand seats and it was literally in that spot where it's like a little bit cheaper because you're either behind the pole or you're mm-hmm. close right next to the pole and i was like i'm not gonna risk it with three people potentially being behind the pole so you know we could have had some obstructed views if i ended up getting those tickets yeah we had um i, I think it was against the White Sox last year, it was either the White Sox or the Yankees, and we sat up in the uh, right field um, grandstand and literally about four rows behind my seat, boom, there was the pole with oh the TV. God. We were able to move over um, a little bit later on, but um, I, it was inadvertent that we ended up getting obstructed view. So. And like with those <laughs> seats, like... I mean, especially with the polls in your way, like, obviously it's nice that they have the TV, but like, why are you going to pay to watch the freaking TV when you could do that? Like at your own house. That's <laughs> what I was saying. I'm like, guys, well, we you got to love Fenway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But today we're going to be talking about uh, the Red Sox bullpen, which obviously last year was one of the biggest Achilles heels of the entire team. Luckily added a lot during the offseason, a closer in Kenley Jansen, a lot of other arms in Jolie Rodriguez who will miss the beginning of the season, Chris Martin as well. But for you, looking at this Red Sox bullpen, how much better do you think it's going to be compared to last year? And how critical do you think their performance is going to play in terms of the Red Sox winning games? Yeah. So it's important one that they have a closer and that's something that this team has lacked for the longest time. Um, probably really since Craig Kimbrell, where they've had yeah. a legitimate ninth inning option and Kenley Jensen, you know, he's a veteran of, of pitching in the ninth um, comes here to Boston. And now you have a guy that, you know, you can go to. Uh, you know, to, to nail the door closed uh, in the ninth. I actually, though, think that Chris Martin is the sneakier signing of this offseason because, mm-hmm. you know, he was lights out when he after he got traded last year. <clears throat> and now he comes here 
an, you have an eighth inning option where last year it's Brazier, Sawamura, um, you know, Austin Davis. Like it was a rotating chorus of, uh, of players where now it, that's not the case where there's, there's players in here who have legitimate roles. Um, you know, I was excited to see what uh, Rodriguez could have, uh, you know, brought to the team, but obviously he's out right now with that oblique. Um, I think Richard Blyer is a really, really good pickup uh, left-handed side. Um, so it's just the fact that these guys have legitimate roles and Alex Cora has, has people that he can depend on and rely on that have pitched right. in big situations. Um, that's important this year. And I, and, and I think the Red Sox gonna, uh, will benefit out of that. I think especially with those specific roles, that's one thing that, you know, you heard Cora talk a lot about throughout last season is just being able to put guys in different situations and being able to define those roles. Because especially when the team didn't have a closer, I'll never forget there was plenty of nights where I had to record an episode after the game. And, you know, going into the, you know, bottom of the ninth or top of the ninth, whatever it was, uh, you know, me thinking in my mind, you know, oh, we're going to win the game. And obviously, like, anytime Jake Diekman came in, like, the game was essentially just punted. And then I came on here ranting about like super pissed off that like the Red Sox need a closer. But the one thing that I am curious to see how it all does stack up, like you brought up like the left-handed side for Flyer, and especially with Rodriguez being out to start the season, they're probably going to need a second left-handed option. But according to Alex Cora uh, today, reported by Julian McWilliams, uh, the Red Sox have one more decision to make and it pertains on one more bullpen arm. Yeah. I'm curious who you think that could be. Well, <clears throat> I forget this morning, so we're recording on Sunday, so I forget if it was Ian Brown that may have said that Caleb Ort, there's, they're trying to decide between that. I don't understand what the decision is there with, with Ort. Um, but if you look at some of the specifically left-handers, um, Sheriff has pitched really well. And a veteran, uh, He's I think he's got like 44 games under his belt. Um, he's had a good spring. And, you know, there really isn't much risk when it comes to that. I feel like he's a guy that you could add to the 40-man <clears throat> and then you can put him on the big league roster. And let's say he's here for 30 games, 40, 35, 40 games. Is he a player that's in danger if you were to DFA him that he could get claimed and, and maybe you might be able to sneak him back down? And I'm not saying that in respect to be disrespectful. I don't mean in that way, but I mean in more of the, the, the case of I'd rather roll the dice there than a guy like um, Moscata, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, where you can get him a little bit later on. So um, I feel like that would be a good a good option to go with. I know last year, wasn't it just they had one lefty? Yeah, they did. And, and you was, know, they, they kept on hoping that, uh, you know, Josh Taylor was going to be able to come come up and be able to help fill that position. But I, I think, you know, the with, with differentiating right and left, like that obviously helps the different looks against the batters. Yeah, so um, – so, yeah, I, and, and even, too, like, if we were to talk about this, like, during the winter, the fact that, you know, the guys, some of these non-roster guys that, that could make the roster this year, um, you know, is surprising. But it goes to show that the Red Sox really, in my opinion, they did they did their due diligence in trying to find additional depth for this team outside of the, the traditional ways of giving major league deals. Um, so, for me, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hate them adding adding sheriff i think that that's in my opinion the right move to do but 
you know, Heimblum has, has made a lot of decisions over the last couple of months that we've gone and said like, oh, wow, I wasn't expecting that. You know, Matt Barnes, DFA, wasn't expecting that. So they could make uh, a random one-off decision on who they're going to, on who they're going to give that spot to. And who knows, maybe it could be Caleb Borg because they, they do like his, they love his fastball and they like some of his makeup, but I just don't think he deserves a spot on the major league roster. And especially with the 40 man, like not only with Sheriff, and I agree with you, I think Sheriff is probably the the most obvious option, especially with how well he's played throughout, you know, spring training, you know, pitched 6.2 innings, uh, hasn't allowed a run yet, only allowed four hits over seven strikeouts. I, I mean, I don't know how much better a guy could do to essentially uh, show you that he deserves to make the MLB roster. And I think, you know, especially with Caleb Ort, he's sort of, you know, the odd man now, the, or the obvious guy to be DFA'd, especially with, you know, Ramel Tapia and Jorge Alfaro, at least mm-hmm. when we're recording this right now, they're still on the Red Sox roster and aren't on the 40-man just yet. And so I think the Sox have a lot of tough decisions to make go- going into the next few days or so prior to when opening day does start. And, you know, looking at the 40-man right now, Alan Castro, I remember seeing somebody post about him on Twitter on the 40-man, sort of confused. And then somebody was like, I think it's an error. But, you know, he's a 19-year-old who has just played in the DR uh, league. But he's on on the 40-man roster. And, you know, very curious to see if, you know, the Sox do ultimately decide to DFA him if if a team does pick him up. I think even if they, you know, do a similar thing with, with Ort, you know, I don't really see a lot of teams wanting to scour to like make sure that like they get Caleb Ort. You know, no offense to him, he just hasn't really shown that he's a viable, you know, major league pitcher. But I did see somebody else mention the possibility of you know them putting Mondesi on the 60, 60 day IL to open up a spot. But you know, if you think about it with Tapia, Alforo, as well as Sheriff, I mean, that's three spots right there. Yeah, so I don't think that Mondesi is going to end up being the guy that's going to that's going to get a sixty day stint. Um, so. We, when we were down in Florida, um, the, the first week of, of spring training, when we spoke with Bloom there, we asked about Mondesi and, you know, he was up front and said, well, he's, you're not going to see him this spring and his spring training is going to be somewhere other than Boston, but we don't know where that's going to be just yet, but he's not far off. So I don't know if they're going to put him on a 60 day stint where they could, let's say they want to start him in double A just to, you know, get his legs under him and then he comes to AAA by the end of say April just speculating with that I don't know if he's the odd man out um with that it's I think the the biggest thing is going to be is what is Rodriguez's status and and will that be a 60-day stint and then you know guys like Yu Chang you know so Chang just reported to camp he's going to play on Monday he got a major league deal but small money, $750,000. There's not a major commitment there. Could he be the odd man out? But then again, they do need another infielder. So I don't necessarily know if that's going to be the case, but Bobby Dahlbeck is also impressed this spring, you know, and stop me if you've heard that before, but that's something where he has had a good spring. And if you look at some of Bobby Dahlbeck's, you know, approach this year it hasn't been really about mashing the ball over the wall he's had really productive at bats going opposite field keeping his hands back um he's looked good at shortstop not that we want him to be playing shortstop but he's looked good there he you know he's had a good camp where i don't see him being dfa'd but also i didn't see matt barnes getting dfa'd either so the red sox it's a good problem to have when you have these players and you're trying to figure out who you want to potentially move on from it goes to show that there is more depth within the program, then, you know, maybe some want to admit it's really a matter of 
what makes the most sense. Tapia to me makes sense to make the roster. I and and if you were to say to me that tomorrow you were to find out that Ref Snyder didn't make the club, would you be surprised? I personally wouldn't be because he hasn't had a good spring, but he also got a major league deal as well. So they got some decisions uh, to make, but specifically with the you know with with the bullpen. Um, to me, and we've said it a few times, Sheriff to me makes the most sense. Unless you have a, a random trade up your sleeve, and I don't see that happening just days before the season starts. Yeah, I agree with you with that. And you know, with Dalbeck, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. His approach has looked a lot better throughout this spring. You know, he always seems to you know mash the ball and look really good in spring. But I mean, when you, from what I've seen, looking at the numbers. 22 strikeouts over 12 hits still has an issue with striking yep. out more than he gets on base. So that's, that's something that makes me a little bit nervous, but you sort of already know what you're getting from Bobby mm-hmm. Dalbeck. And I, I think the Chang and Dalbeck conversation is an interesting one. And you know, one that could essentially be answered over the next few days or so, but you know, we're not, we're not the GMs in this sort of situation. Uh, but if you do have an interest in uh, being a major league GM, you got to check out the Ultimate Pro Baseball GM app over on the App Store, whether Google or also Apple App Store. It's it's honestly one of the coolest games I've played in a long time. I like to put my GM hat on, try to you know imagine that I'm Heimblum, Andrew Freeman, Farhan Zaidi. You know what I mean? Make all of these different moves and all these different decisions to ultimately get to the goal of winning a World Series and winning as many baseball games as possible. As you heard in our last episode. Lauren's kind of like way better than me at this. You know, I try my best. I try to, you know, channel into that my inner GM, but you know, some decisions work out better than others, you know, but in this game, you control the hiring, the right coaches and staff. You manage the team finances. You do scouting, drafting players. You also manage different personalities, like who's the cancer of the clubhouse, who's the leader injuries as well. Obviously we've seen the Red Sox deal with a lot of different injuries. So I try to figure out, you know, what are the Sox doing? How can I, you know, make better decisions or learn from what isn't working out with them? And then you also navigate through free agency and all the ups and downs of a season. And one thing that I've mentioned multiple times speaking about this app is, you know, we've seen the Red Sox not keep their homegrown talent. I keep the, I keep the homegrown talent. I actually spend money. I extend players. I try to learn from what the Red Sox have not done so well. But if you're looking for a challenging and realistic game and one that you can play offline on the go, that's ultimate pro baseball gm so locked on red sox listeners get a 100 free boost to their franchise when using the promo code locked on in the game store so make sure to check it out and download the game just visit pro baseball scan the code or look it up on the app store that's pro baseball the ultimate pro baseball gm start your dynasty today and so you know as i said with that app as well, you know, we're not the GMs. I wish I could put on my GM hat, try and guess which way different things are going to go. But, you know, really looking at it, I I thought it was interesting how a guy like Josh Winkowski ended up ultimately making the team as a multi-inning reliever. Some expected it, some didn't. You know, I wouldn't have been surprised if he did start the season in Worcester, but I'm happy that he's being rewarded for his productive spring. And he looks like a much different pitcher throughout this these past few months than he did last year. Yeah, no, Josh, Josh is um has he's really seized this opportunity. Um, you know, when we we chatted with Heim Bloom on the podcast, we had asked about Josh Winkowski and Carter Crawford. And Heim mentioned that 
it, he went into more detail about Winkowski than he did about Cutter Crawford. And we talked to him about how when we interviewed Winkowski, he said that he sucked last year and that he needed to be better. But also acknowledging that he was put in a really tough situation, but he tried to do the best that he could. You're obviously not pitching above mm-hmm. the AAA level, and now you're asked to be on a big league staff and maybe make 13 right. or 15 starts. Um Bloom was really, really high on what he's been able to do. And, and you know, being able to now identify who a bulk inning type pitcher is going to be for that bullpen, um, you can piggyback him on a handful of guys with it being still this early, whether it's, you know, Chris Sale or Tanner Houck, you know, and, and Houck hasn't really looked that impressive this spring. But I, I think that if you peel back that onion, it's really more about what he's been trying to do with some of his pitches, which has yielded to the result that, you know, you see with his eight plus ERA. But, I think Winkowski's a guy that, you know, he could he could fill that Crawford mold last year. And the, I think the major benefit is the fact that he was able to go through last season, go through a year where it sucks getting your head kicked in. But, you know, he knows how to prepare as a big league pitcher now. And if you look at the way that he's pitched this spring and with his starts – um, mixing his pitches, he's just looked he's just looked different. He he looks like a major league pitcher. Where last year it was just uh, this is Winkowski and the prospect that they that they grabbed in the Benintendi deal. Now it's no, it's Josh Winkowski. He looks like a big league pitcher, and especially you know showing off that stash and you know also showing off that whole new grip with, with the slider as well. Yeah. It's, it's been nice to see him you know pinpointing his pitches and you know speaking about Josh Winkowski, uh, you know w- when we have throughout this offseason, I've brought up these stats multiple times, but I, I think it's telling of like how important it is to get him comfortable in a multi inning. Uh, sort of situation. So in the first and second inning of of last year's starts, uh, he had a 321 ERA with five earned runs. And then the third inning, and I don't know what happened in between, you know, the second and third to ultimately make this happen, a 15.80 ERA with 24 earned runs. And then it's even crazier in the fourth inning, he's only, he only allowed one earned run. So <laughs> something happened in that third inning, like something did, like you don't just go from only allowing five earned runs in each of the first two innings. And then, you know, just bolt up to 24 earned runs. So I, I think especially getting him comfortable, you know, a, a two inning sort of long reliever, you know, maybe three, you know, I think that's the best way to not only build him up and get comfortable against the competition in the major leagues, but also get him to refine his stuff a little bit more going against some of that higher competition. Yeah. And I think too, um, what's, what's nice about Winkowski, especially off the, the beginning of the season the the people that you can pair him with too, you know what I mean? Like we just mentioned Tanner Houck. I still think Houck's going to be fine. Um, I've been really down on Nick Pavetta, and yeah. um, to be honest with you, I really would not be shocked if Winkowski leapfrogged Nick Pavetta. I really mm-hmm. wouldn't be. Um, and I, I think the fact that Pavetta can you know throw 170 innings is completely overblown. They're not good innings, and it was right. really telling when. Cora said to the Boston Globe that he, he didn't prepare well. So last season, I'd rather have productive, prepared innings than just taking the ball and, and seeing what you have. But um, I think Winkowski could be a guy that you can pair off of a guy like Pavetta. Um, so, you know, it again, it's, you know, if you think about it, you know, there was a earlier, I want to say it was like around December it was reported that the Red Sox would consider trading some of the surplus of pitching. And I think people laughed at that and they made jokes about it on social media now, but if you go back and just look at it with an objective take guys like Cutter and Winkowski 
And then you have Mata, Walter, Murphy, all in the system that are still now making their way up. And then there's another wave of young pitching behind them. Mm-hmm. The Red Sox are, are in a good spot where it's healthy. And you can interchange some of these guys to get this big league experience, to get them ready for these these opportunities. So I'm excited for Winkowski and, and really just, you know, seeing him down in the spring throwing. He's looked really good. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping he sticks for the full year. But, you know, at least if he doesn't, he can go down to Worcester. He can start, get five, six innings in as well and continue to, to refine that. And, you know, who knows the way, obviously, a season goes. But if Winkowski is to pitch more than eight starts this season, I'm confident that he's going to be prepared to do that. And, you know, we're going to get good innings out of Winkowski. And I also remember when Bloom was talking about Crawford and Winkowski, and I, I, th- I can't remember which one of you guys asked him, but it was more along the lines of, you know, if, if they perform well and sort of, you know, make a log jam or like make make it tougher decisions than you expected when Whitlock, Bayo, and Paxton come mm-hmm. back, like how are you going to kind of go about that? And he's like, well, I'd, you know, rather have that happen than not. You know what I mean? I, I think, you know, looking back at, sort of like that report of them, them wanting to trade the surplus of pitching, you know, at least looking at it right now in, in hindsight, thank God that they didn't, you know yeah. what I mean? Especially with all these injuries. And it's always better to have more pitching depth than not. Obviously we saw that last season, but I think you're right. I think especially with what these guys not only have been able to do in spring training, but, you know, hopefully they're able to, you know, continue to elevate their value throughout this next yeah. season. And, you know, Crawford, you know, I, I know Jared and, and Tyler Milliken brought this up, you know, on their last episode, but, you know, he, he could be looked at as like a Whitlock 2.0 as a long reliever out of the bullpen, and especially if you have multiple guys like that in Crawford and Winkowski, or even if one of them becomes a good starter, like better, better to have more than none. And I think as well, you know, another guy who like came out of nowhere, Zach Kelly just got his first nod on the yep. opening day roster. You know, obviously a friend of the podcast as well. Really nice guy. Super happy to see from what he, you know, started with. I think he got like $500 from the Oakland A's uh, as an undrafted free agent. And now, you know, he's pitching for the Boston Red Sox on their opening day roster. And, you know, it's been really nice to see him, you know, flourish throughout uh, spring training after, you know, a few rough first outings. And, hasn't let up a run uh, in, in his last five games, you know, when he's made appearances. So uh, excited to see what he's able to do in, in, in full action and not sort of what we saw of the small sample last season at the end of September. Yeah, he, he's been, um, he's been, I think it was like three earned runs in his first like two games. And then since March 6th, he's been, I, I would say the equivalent of lights out. Yeah. <laughs> so um, and it's, it's great to see that too. You know, it's, um, you know, he, Again, we'll get to, to pitch in meaningful games with the Red Sox. Um, he had a 395 ERA last year, I think, in like 13, 14 games. So um, he, uh, I'm excited for him, you know, the fact that he got that call. Um, and again, just continues to show, you know what I mean, that the these players are coming from within the program. And it's, you know, not so much really through free agency or whatever, too. I just want to circle back on something because we were thinking about, like, okay, how can they open up another spot on the – on the 40 man for potentially say the, the, uh, the bullpen. Have they said really how long that Wyatt Mills was going to be out for? No, they didn't. I, I just, I just obviously know that he's out with, I forget exactly what it is, but that, that was, that was tough to see. Cause he was one guy that I was really he excited. He really well. He yeah, really I was, well this I was excited to see like what he could actually do in, in real game action as well. Yeah. He had a, um, he was diagnosed with elbow inflammation. You know, and hopefully that's not something that's going to be, you know, 
a lengthy absence, but if that's something to where is he the 60 day IL candidate that could yeah. potentially, um, you know, open up that spot as well. Um, you know, we, we have on the, on the beyond the monster Substack, we've been a uh, few of these, um, we do these article projections of, and the 3.0 will be coming out, I believe tomorrow on Monday morning. And, um, you know, it was predicted we had Zach Kelly on there, but another name I don't think is going to make it. Um, but I think we're going to see him maybe in May is like Brian Mata, you know, Brian Mata is he's, he, so seeing him in one in person kid is huge. He's just, he is just a big kid throws hard, but the most important thing is he's healthy, you know, coming off of Tommy John, he's healthy. And I, I I really think that a guy like Mata, give him a month down in triple a, he could be somebody that the Red Sox could call up in May that can go out of the bullpen. Maybe he gives you, you know, one or two innings. Um, maybe he becomes that, you know, the guy that piggybacks off of somebody else. Um, I don't, again, I don't necessarily think that he's going to make the 40. It would be a shock if he did in the next, you know, say 24 to 48 hours that's announced. But to have this conversation and be able to say that these guys that we've mentioned could all impact the Red Sox in a productive way. And when we talked to Heim Bloom, he said the same exact thing. We want them to impact not because guys got hurt, but on their terms, right. meaning the players' terms. And he thinks that we're going to, as a, the fan base, is going to see a lot of these guys impact the Red Sox this year in a positive way. And I, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to finally see homegrown develop pitching from the Boston Red Sox because it's been a long time since we've seen that. Yeah, me too. And I think I would put Mata and Walter in a very similar box. Walter only made two appearances with Worcester. Mata made five. And, you know, Mata is, you know, like you mentioned, coming off of Tommy John surgery, struggled with with a little bit of control last year. Definitely had to have been probably, you know, just getting back into the groove of things after not throwing for a year or so in, in game action. But, uh, you know, that's one thing that I, I want to see from him a little bit more. Uh, I, I think maybe a... The month may maybe a little bit it was tough to say that maybe a little bit uh early i think june in my mind is a little bit uh is makes me a little bit more comfortable at least get him you know 10 games under his belt so then he at least has like 15 games in triple a that's just me just because i don't like you know when you look at winkowski last year he made 14 appearances in worcester and you know i, I just look at like maybe 15 it's like the threshold obviously like it's all up to the guy's development and how comfortable he is but like, especially with what we saw last year, just a little bit of PTSD and just making sure you don't rush a guy too, too much. Mm-hmm. A guy like Mata as well, who you don't really know if he's if he's a you know long term starter or a bullpen arm. And you know that's going to be the interesting thing for the Red Sox to sort of figure out when he does ultimately get that opportunity. But you know, we're going to speak more about you know some of the some of the other players uh, that are going to be in the Red Sox bullpen during the 2023 season. But before we do that, I just want to talk to you about Bill Barr. So. They have a March Madness bracket, and you can actually choose your favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make it count at BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. So I'll be voting for Marshmallow Puff. Unbelievable. You know, then they also got, like, brownie batter as well. They have some incredible flavors. 100% real chocolate, high protein, low sugar and carbs, and honestly, tastes like a candy bar. So if you love Built Bars as much as Lauren and I do, you got to go and vote for your favorite bar or puff. And then you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will get a free 
12 month subscription to build to have their built best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door so you got to get and try built the best protein bar out there like i said just like a candy bar but it's actually good for you so run over to builtmarkmadness.com right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff and pick up a box while you're there you can vote every day in march so hop on in and support your pick but another guy that i'm really excited to see how the red sox picking him to be the closer ultimately does play out in kenley jansen obviously we saw his first ever sort of sort of uh struggling inning or struggling outing in a red sox uniform last game where he allowed two earned runs due to a little bit of lightheadedness he said you know speaking with different sources i don't think that you know it's going to disrupt him from being able to start mm -hmm. the opening day roster but especially a guy who throughout his career has been looked at as one of the most dominant uh you know closers throughout the last decade or so and coming off of a great season with the braves i'm excited what he's able to do in boston yeah, me too. Uh, you know, and first and foremost, the the fact that again, it's a legitimate ninth inning, you know, arm. It's a yeah, legitimate yeah. ninth inning, um, you know, option where, you know, he can go out there and maybe he closes the door for forty saves a season, which would be, you know, it's going to be great to have that. You know, Reds, the Red Sox aren't going out and spending sixteen million per year on Kenley Jansen because you know, they don't think that they might be able to make a little bit of noise a season. I think that they have their expectations, but he also isn't coming here either without thinking that he could, you know, make an impact with the socks. So I'm excited for that. And, and, you know, he's the biggest knock initially was how he's going to do with the pitch clock. And he's really had no issues with that whatsoever. Um, you know, he's looked good. You know, there was, um, you know, a couple of, uh, appearances ago, um, kind of said that he looked shaky. I didn't see that, you know, um, Here's a guy that has traditionally lived in the upper zone when he's pitched because he throws those fastballs. Um, you know, he, he's, you know, he's looked good there. Um, he had that one home run, I think it was, where the wind carried the ball. Was it against the Twins? It might have been earlier in the spring. Um, but then the other night, obviously, you know, he started to get hit and he, he was laboring and, um, Initially, when he came off the mound with the train, I was like, oh, no. You know, yeah, I thought the same thing. Here we go. You know, I, actually, I actually, like, tweeted a whole thing about, like, how how awful it would be if the Red Sox lost their closure. And then somebody, like, replied. They're like, let's wait until, like, you actually hear a report that he's injured. I'm like, you're right. But, like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm warranted to be, like, nervous with all these injuries and how much the Red Sox need this closure. Yeah, I was, I was out with a buddy, and we were watching the NCAA tournament. And then I had just happened to look at the TV that was off to my right-hand side and come off of the San Diego State game. And I'm like, don't tell me, like, that he's leaving with the trainer. And then I went on Twitter and I saw I started seeing the tweets from the beat guys. Um, and then I started sending a couple of texts out being like, I know it just happened 30 seconds ago, but, you know, what's, like, the vibe? And um, I was happy to get the, like, you know, even before the tweets came out saying it's not going to be a big deal. So it was exciting to, to know that it's not going to be that big of a deal. But, um you know, again, it's a closer and it's somebody that, that, you know, Cora can have the confidence in, in the ninth inning and, and just the, the different options too to lead up to Kenley Jensen is going to be exciting. Um, and hopefully gets off to a pretty good start too. You know what I mean? Especially yeah, I getting a big free agent contract. Um, and we know how sometimes the fan base can be, you know, coming out, you know, getting the season underway slamming the door shut on a, on a handful of wins with, with what is a favorable schedule to begin the season. 
Um, I think we'll go in and build some confidence there, not only just for Kenley Jansen, but the bullpen and and the team in general. So um, I, I, I'm excited for it. I've been asking in, in writing about Kenley Jansen the last couple of years, he's been a free agent and whether he's been, it would be a fit for the Red Sox. And there's been times where people have kind of pooed that idea because of different, uh, you know, different, you know, metrics that, that he's had. And um, I know sometimes what StatCast says, but also, you know, there's also a reason why that he's one of the best closers in, in baseball. Yes, he's 35, 36, but he was one of the best closers in baseball for a reason. So um, I'm happy to see him here in Boston. So me too. The the poo-poo thing like made me think of the poopay from like the latest Ted Lasso <laughs> episode. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Sorry, I'm five years old. But uh, two two guys that I wanted to uh, end our bullpen conversation on is is two that I I think have a lot of pressure on them going into this season. But but in my opinion, they're on two different spectrums. John Schreiber was last season a fluke and with him struggling throughout spring training thus far does that indicate maybe he'll do the same in regular in the regular season play and then ryan brazier obviously a much different season than schreiber had last year a lot of pressure on him to show not only the red sox front office but red sox fans that he deserves to be on this 26-man roster and that he's a major league bullpen arm and hopefully he does much better than most people expect. And this is probably, I'm going to start off with Brazier. Like this is probably one of the most positive things that you're going to hear from this podcast regarding Ryan Brazier, you know, for people who have listened for a long time, like Lauren and I don't love Ryan Brazier. It's not the person, it's just the pitcher, but you know, outside of three innings where he allowed one to two runs throughout the spring, his, his four other outings were scoreless. You know, he's, he's looked all right. So, you know, trying to stay positive with a guy who you don't really know how he's going to do, you know, hopefully he's able to do much better than last year where he struggled, you know, and hopefully, you know, kind of like why, you know, the Red Sox decided DFA Barnes over, over Brazier's, because of his good September numbers. Hopefully that correlates. And then Schreiber as well, it was interesting to hear him say, I feel like this spring I still had some stress under me. He said trying to come into this spring and keep everything looking good on the mound and all that kind of stuff. I feel like that might be semi like a mental thing of like remembering, you know, obviously where he was going into the 2022 Mm -hmm. season where he didn't have a spot. And now he has to do everything possible to make sure he keeps that spot. Yeah, um, Ryan Brazier is is the lightning rod of of the of Red Sox social media, and um, yeah, that's true. So, look, he's on the big league roster, so you know I'm going to want to see him do well. You know, um, there's a reason why that the Red Sox continue to keep him around. Um, you know, Rob Bradford it, it tweeted a bunch of stuff and even wrote on it, and, and obviously he interviewed him during the off season just about. Um, you know, he had electric stuff and some of this and, 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 the, and the numbers that he put up towards the end of the season um, were some of the best out of relievers in baseball. And, you know, the Red Sox feel that if he's healthy um, and they can get a full season out of him, they might be able to get back the brazier that they had in the 2018 season. You know, he has within within fairness, you know, he's had dealt with some hiccups. You know, he took the line drive off his you know, head a couple of years back, like, you know, while it's easy to joke on Ryan Brazier and trust me, we've all have had our uh, opinions and tweets and things like that on Brazier. But I think if you have him go in there, not having to be, you know, for example, the eighth inning guy, sixth, seventh guy here or there um, and, and really build him into 
you know, a spot to pitch really meaningful innings is for me makes sense. You know, he, he doesn't have to go in there and, and do too much this year. Just be part of what the bullpen's trying to do. Throw strikes, limit your walks, and for love of God, don't give him home runs. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, he's got the confidence that's there. I mean, clearly he does. I mean, he said to, you know, Rob Bradford, I'm going to paraphrase. Um, I, you know, he wanted to be back. He knew he was going to pitch. It was just a matter of where. You know, so he still thinks that he can do it. So um, hope for the Red Sox sake that that's the case. But if he struggles and he struggles for, you know, two months, at some point you have to pull the, you got to pull the cord. You know, it, it's got it. This whole Ryan Brazier experiment has to end, but I don't want to, I don't want to put that cart before the horse. So um, I, I'm hoping that, you know, again, he comes in, he's a sixth inning type of guy, seventh inning type of guy. He doesn't have to pitch in really big situations. Now, if injuries happen and he's forced to do that, then I, I, I'm going to be concerned until he can show that he can be a reliable uh, member of that bullpen. And, you you know, with him, too, uh, some people who are listening to this might be surprised me saying this, but I'm going to go into this season with an open mind and hope, like you said, that, that he performs well. Now, like if he if he is like an awful you know, ERA and awful statistics going into like June. Like I'm, I'm not going to be like super happy about it. I'm going to be blunt and honest about it. But if he goes out there and shoves, I'm going to give him his props. I'm going to give him his flowers. You know what I mean? It's Sox fans. We want to see these guys perform as well as possible. And nobody wants to see a guy let up like a two or three run home run to ultimately tie or lose the game. You know what I mean? And he's done that plenty of times, but hopefully he can avoid it. Like you said. And I think with a lot of this bullpen, you know, I, I feel like, you know, some of the injuries might hurt it, but I, I think as well with how they are really able to upgrade uh, throughout this offseason, it's going to be very critical for them to be at the top of their game, especially in the first few months with the amount of limited uh, high quality options in the rotation. I feel mm-hmm. like for a guy like Hauk, who you don't know if he's going to go more than five innings, you might need Winkowski to go in there and be the bridge, you know what I mean? And you might need some of these other guys to overwork a tiny bit just to be able to help you know these, these starters get along if if uh you know they only go four to five innings and you're not they're not able to you know stretch out to like six or so but very curious to see how it does all play out but as always we're going to keep you posted about everything that's happening regarding the boston red sox over here on locked on red sox so if you have not yet make sure to subscribe over on youtube wherever audio platform that you listen to also make sure to follow us over on twitter at lo underscore red sox and for chris if anybody wants to go and check out your stuff and support Beyond the Monster, where can they find all that? Yeah, so you can head over to uh, at Beyond the Monster. Just the thing is, it's M N S T R because there's only so many characters Twitter lets you use in your uh, for your handle. Um, but you can also check me out. It's my first and last name at Chris Henrik. But besides me too, make sure you're checking out the other guys. Um, they they do a lot of really really good work uh, between. Jamie um, Gatlin, we have uh, Ed Hand, who put together a six-week, um, you know, kind of like a deep dive of the players to look out for if you're going to go see any one of those teams. We just added uh, Jake O'Donnell, um, you know, to the mix. Andrew Parker's done a lot of really good content with the minor league stuff. I mean, that's just to name a few. We have 18 writers now, and and all of these guys. Ryan Madeiras, too. Please make sure you check out him. He puts together some outstanding threads. Um, some are featured in The Athletic, and we have... Um, we have uh, two podcasts with him coming out, just talking about everything for uh, Major League Baseball. So, um, so besides me, please check out the guys too. They do a really good job, and it's a reason why we're as successful as we've been so far. And uh, check out uh, the Obstructive Red Sox podcast if you haven't. Um, Heim Bloom that uh, interview. It's a quick listen, twenty five minutes, and uh, a lot of good stuff. 
I also write a tiny bit here. There for Beyond yes, the Jake Mindset. also well, writes. I apologize. Like, like, I like once a month working. or so. Like once yes. a month or so. <laughs> Jake has an article that just came out. So if you head over to <laughs> beyondthemonster.substack.com, there's a Yoshida article that is there. Um, yes, I mean, just to name a few. Uh, 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 Boston Sports Gordo, another one that yeah. um, that writes. I mean, All we have a, we have a, a big cast of characters um, that's on the – on, and, and now we've just added the pesky report group mm-hmm. um, as part of our podcast. So there's a lot of Red Sox content. We're really looking forward to to uh, bring more this season and plus the Bruins and the Patriots. And eventually we'll do Celtics, but we're not there yet. Yeah, been loving everything you guys have been doing over there. And, you, you know, I'll always, I'll always be supporting. And so, you know, as Chris said, High and Bloom episode just came out. I know that you guys are going to be posting episodes throughout the season. So, uh, you know, right after you listen to this podcast, go over and check out Obstructed View uh, throughout the season and or even just right now. Uh, but as always, greatly appreciate everybody tuning in and making – Locked on Red Sox, your first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen, Locked on Fantasy Baseball. Win your fantasy league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked on Baseball, Fantasy Baseball, excuse me, wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. Also make sure to follow myself on Twitter. It's at Jake Iggy. And also Lauren, it's La La La. Three laws, Lauren with four R's. But we'll end this episode how we always end it. Keep the faith and let's go Sox. Peace.